where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Mark Lieberman. Welcome back into the drive here on 93 on the Ville Market. It's Mark Lieberman here. The phone lines, they are open. 8150-939 is the number. 3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. If you want to hit us up uh, that way, you're welcome to do so uh, as well. We uh, had a fascinating uh, Louisville-related NBA trade uh, today. Mm-hmm. Terry Rozier, who's been a very productive player, uh, quietly you know super productive guy for charlotte for a couple of years now uh, but they've never really been on you know any teams of any kind of importance uh, there at all uh traded today for kyle lowry to the miami heat and i i love this for the heat and i love this for terry rosier i'm thrilled about this yeah he's he's going to a program now in the nba so you know he's been tested when he played here in college but going there it's a completely different animal I think he'll embrace it. The time I spent with Terry and just know, like this is something he'll 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 really love because this is a chance for him to win and to be productive and to do all those things and really um, accentuate his talents as well. Yeah, it's a great fit and it's a great opportunity for him to go to a team that's going to compete with championships. Well, I love it for him because I think he gets to max out a role where he's not the primary guy. You know, he is he's not going to be close to the primary guy on that roster but I think he can be super productive and I, I think if you watched them struggle to get out of the east or in the NBA finals like they've looked they've needed somebody who not every night but some nights if if Jimmy Butler's not on fire just somebody else in the backcourt who can give them something mm-hmm. and sometimes Kyle Lowry has not been that guy mm-hmm. uh, well he's 53 years he looks old like me yeah right which is not good, by the way. I don't mean that in a good way at all. <laughs> uh, I think Terry can help them. Yeah. He's younger. I think he's a, he's a good enough defender that he'll buy into what they do defensively. And uh, you have to there. And, and he no will. choice. He, yeah, there is no choice, especially with Spolster's new contract. That's not going to happen. But he was That's a, a good vo- point. I he, thought about that. Look, he was a volume shooter, and and he was asked to do a lot on the offensive end. But that's taken with Bam and some of the other players there. That's taken off his shoulders. And it's to the point where he can maybe score 14, 15 a game, but be really effective with what they have. So that role will change. He, he'll he adjust to that because he'll understand the framework of what the Heat does. I'm glad he's getting playoff basketball again because Charlotte, they've been in the laughing stock of the NBA for years. And 
obviously his time in Boston, like the one year he got to be a starter in the playoffs, made the conference finals, and he really took off until you know Game Seven didn't play well. But he still that was when he emerged on the scene was that playoff run in Boston, and I'm glad he'll have another chance because Miami they're currently the sixth seed. They'll probably move up a little bit, I would imagine. Doesn't um, matter. They don't Spence. care. Do they, they? Yeah, they, they don't care. The like 15 <laughs> seed that right is now. true. They, they'll be the true. eighth seed. They'll beat the Bucks as usual, and they'll play in the conference fi- or they'll play in the you know the NBA finals. For just a second, <laughs> I like jerk. I like, beat the Bucks. Oh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, I was like, chill out. Get yourself under control. Oh yeah, you're yeah, still on your a little reactive there for just a second. But. How about the Todd Bowles no timeout though? It's the playoffs. It's worrisome. Uh, you got to take it because they have of, to do something. They well, have to punt right. or they have to kick a field. It's one of those... Uh, like someone's got to say something, right? Well, don't say that. Don't say, like, <laughs> no reason to delay the inevitable. Don't don't say that. <laughs> Sometimes it's just as good to avoid saying what you shouldn't say as having a good explanation for the head. Uh, <laughs> it's also one of those things that... Uh, uh, Remember Leonard Hamilton got some flack for not taking some timeouts at the end of one of their NCAA tournament games when he lost, and he basically looked at the board. He's like, the game was over. It wasn't. It probably was, but you can't. Like, there, I think there are things that are true when you're a coach that you just can't say. Yeah. And that's one of them. <laughs> I'm taking this, this timeout home with me because the game was over. I don't that's, You can't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. In the playoffs. You know, just burn it. Yeah, like regular season game, you'd be like, yeah, like what difference does it make if it, it, it was a different thing? Yeah, right? halftime two is a different thing, but because I didn't catch that in the moment, because I was like, I was happy I had the uh, Lions covering that game, so I was happy that bet hit. But then it's like, oh, they could have called timeout, and you know who knows? Maybe we saw your boys, your kickers did this weekend. They kept missing kicks left and right. I so sh- I saw that Spence. I saw that white little strip of the timeouts. I'm like, is that still a timeout? Because sometimes it's gray and you're not sure what That's they are. That's true. I saw the little strip, and I'm like, they still have a timeout. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry. 81 50 90 through 9. That, that's okay. 38 uh, 31 90 through 9 for the uh, UPS job section. Since you mentioned them, by the way, the Bucks fired their coach a third of the way through season one. Halfway. The Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, okay, halfway. Uh-huh. Uh, what are we like? The NBA is hilarious because at either your coach is the cornerstone of your success, like Spolstra. Or Pop, Pop mm-hmm. or Steve Kerr, and it, like and that's there's how, that how many more can you name? Well, uh, there aren't many. Mm-hmm. Or they don't matter at all. Like they, they're just in, utterly inconsequential. I don't know right now who the coach was when the Cavs beat the Warriors and came back from three to one. I don't remember who it was at all. <laughs> Do you? Uh, right. Exactly. It's Tyloo. Sure. Because you I could be lying, and I would. Well, you, here's the thing. Exactly I, I knew it. that, but also. This midseason firing is very reminiscent of that season that Ty Lue won it all. They made a midseason change with David Blatt. They were the first in the Eastern Conference. Remember him? He was from in, Spolster's staff, wasn't he? David Blatt was not. No, he was, he was from Euro. He, he was no, an early. He, he, was in, he was. They brought oh, I'm him over about from Fisdale. Sorry. Yeah, Fisdale was uh, on the staff. Yes. It was just a He's, weird. I I was telling you during the break, like Adrian Griffin kind of lost the locker room a little bit, and there was like rumblings, and the team tried to deny it, but like I was telling you, there was a moment earlier this year. Where Griffin tried to take Giannis out of the game, and Giannis basically said, "Like, screw you, I'm going back in the game myself." It's like you can't show up your coach like that and expect you to be taken seriously in the league. I mean, coach, I don't know how many times some athletes try to show you up and take them out or not. The pros are a different animal; they really are. And you have a former player, so that was kind of that's that's the part that's look. It's a player league, and if if nothing else demonstrates that more clearly than this situation, where obviously there's a disconnect. With Damian Lillard and the Greek Freak and and Griffith because yeah it it it's it's 
I've coached pros. Yeah, you you know it's it, it's you got to treat them sometimes. It, everyone's different, but they are professionals. They expect a certain way of. And if you haven't established yourself, Mark, and you're not, if you're going to rule with an iron fist, I obviously we don't know how it was, but there was some problem there, even with that record, and they didn't feel that that was going to be the formula to win a championship. So, you know, they make that change. If we can do something eventually, do it immediately. I think you've also got uh, in that instance this uh, perpetual insecurity that they can keep Giannis happy. Correct. In, in Milwaukee, it's like literally the first sign of anything that he doesn't like. And they're like, "What, sir, whatever you need us to change, mm-hmm. we will change it. Mm-hmm. You have any other brothers that want to play in the NBA? Like, right. Whatever whatever we got to do, man, we will do it. Whatever it is, right. They're going to appease him in any way. You know, there's now 17 Greek restaurants in, in, uh, I'm sure. in Milwaukee. He's an economy, <laughs> for sure. And he, he probably happily eats at all of them. Yeah. So, look, it, it's... That's a situation where that organization is not the same as like what Terry's going to with the Miami Heat, where it's established from Pat Riley down. There's a there's a culture that's the epitome of of what's of how they're going to do it. And Spence, you can hit every button you want, but they do it the right way. I'm I'm just gonna wait. The right way. There it is. Uh, that was I, on purpose. Louis just uh, made uh, me aware of this. The a- ACC just uh, announced just a moment, like ten minutes ago, the they're doing this staggered schedule release. Uh, we got the opening weekend. We know Louisville's going to open on Thursday with uh, Austin P. Right is the opener. Yep. Or it's Austin. I don't remember if it's Thursday or not. I think it might be. It's the first week. Or it's the first. They open with Austin P. August thirty first. Can't remember what day of the week that is. So now they've they've announced the Thursday and Friday games, mm-hmm. so the weeknight games. I personally love them, uh, and Louisville is playing one this year at it? at Boston College. Now they didn't do us any favors. October twenty fifth. That'll be good and cold. <laughs> but at Boston College, that's the only one, and not a lot of schools playing multiples of these. I think Duke has a couple. Syracuse has a couple. BC's got a Thursday game against Virginia Tech earlier. So That's yeah, Boston College eight. has a couple. Uh, Florida State had Duke on there uh, for that one. Uh, a couple, but Louisville just just one weeknight game. We've come a long way from Louisville opting to play as, or volunteering at least to play uh-huh. as many of them as they possibly can during weeknights. How much does this have to do with the conference realignment and teams traveling and then trying to figure it out because you have so many teams traveling so many distances? That these weekdays might not be conducive for for how it's going to be in the big picture. I'm just throwing that out there for you. It's weird seeing like SMU at BYU as a game on this list, or hosting BYU. Stanford hosting TCU is on this list. Mm-hmm. It's like those are Stanford and SMU conference teams now. If that that is going to take some That's major wild. getting used to. Yes. North Carolina at Minnesota is on there. <laughs> uh, what in the world? NC State at. No, that's not. That can't be a road game. No, yeah, it says. I think it's Western Carolina. Yeah, that, I was like, why are we putting the second team? Why are we doing? Yeah, that? Yeah, it's doing the verses, which I, I still hate, hate that because. Yeah, I'm with you there. You put the road team first. This isn't soccer. What are we doing? This isn't soccer. He says, "I like that." I do. Um, yeah, you always do that, right? At and I, for, I, yeah, I do, I'm with you, Spence. I think uh, this is a point that Louis made, so I want to give him his props for this. This might also be at least some recognition from the ACC that Louisville draws pretty well. Uh, viewership wise mm-hmm. let's put them on saturday yeah 
let's keep them on Saturdays instead of having to isolate them. Let's put whoever else on weeknights. We're not really worried about putting a Louisville game on Saturday now. That's the price of success, right? From last year, and now this is what happens. You play more of the weekend games, games that are going to be televised, games that are going to be broadcast. Sure, that's going to be where they get the national audience. That makes sense. And this year you're going to get more of, I think, more of those kinds of games that they would want to put on TV uh, than, than you normally have. When are they releasing the full schedule? Tomorrow we'll get the whole thing. Okay. So we've got week one and we've got these weeknight games. We'll get the whole thing now. So it's going to be 11 Saturday games. Mm-hmm. And this one game against Boston College in October on on a weeknight. So you'll get no – for us, this is, <laughs> this is Scott Satterfield's dream. Just one weeknight game? <laughs> That's what that man wanted. Yeah, I'm like Mark Stoops. I'm convinced Mark Stoops never played a DA that's not Saturday during the regular season. I Against the MAC. I can't think of the last time they played it's during the It's always a MAC team. Yeah, maybe the MAC team play on Tuesday one day. <laughs> it's always a MAC. That man loves Ohio. He, uh, he really like, is. whatever contributes to the economy <laughs> of Ohio, I'm here for. Doesn't matter what it is. They have him in their tourism like uh, promos. Like, I bet his car they, still has Ohio plates. Yeah. Like, he just maintains it. <laughs> it just might. Right? Yeah. No matter where he's been, we're sticking with the Ohio plate. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's got some sort of deal with the Mac. 8150-939. That's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. 3831-939. Texas said, by the way, the Levitard and them, they discussed Terry Rozier not uh, not loving him, not loving this trade uh, with a fear of him not buying into heat culture. And I I, I don't know what they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I yeah, they just they don't know, and they just see a guy that's coming in. They're they're familiar with Kyle Lowry. They know what it's like. Lebetard has such a relationship with Pat Riley. You know, he's interviewed them uh, numerous times. He has a feel for what it's about, but it's amazing. And if it didn't work, then they'll figure it out. But Terry's going to be a good fit. He really will be. He'll get it. He'll go in there. He'll embrace that because he even came from that in college. He, he knows. He uh, they they're. They get it. They're pros. And when you spend time around them, they understand winning organizations. They understand what it takes. They're, they they grasp what all the little things that go into that. He was not going to get that where he was. It was going to continue to be, I'll put up 20-something points a game. We'll be below, right around 500. And, and here we go. This is an opportunity for him. So, yeah, they'll, when they get a chance to see him, and, and he is a willing defender. When, yeah. And he'll be asked to do and some rebounder things. rebounder, too. Sure. And when he gets into those practices, yeah, he'll 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 buy it. He'll he'll buy into what they're selling for sure. I think I always thought he physically looked like Dwayne Wade out there. The super long arms for a guard mm-hmm. his size, willing rebounder, uh, like out in space. It sounds like a weird category. I don't know how Synergy would capture this, but like weird uh, free throw line area rebounds. Mm-hmm. Like he's really good at that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always thought Dwayne Wade was really good at that stuff gathering the ball with these super long arms and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they are very similar uh, when you mention that. Build. And and one thing with Dwayne Wade, and and, and I don't know what his numbers are, uh, Terry's numbers for, as far as his career, but Dwayne Wade would always talk about he understood angles and understood how yes. to get fouled. Get a guy on his hip. Right, he was yeah. great at that. And he understood he knew how to get fouled. And, and Terry has the same thing. And so I think he's a guy that will be a perfect fit for what they do. And they get more. They get younger. They get more athletic. It, it's it's what they need. I love it for the, look. I, I'm I'm thrilled. I, I think they're going to look at this, and I think they're going to be 
elated. I think it's just, yeah. they're going to be pissed off that the Heat pulled this off too. They gave up a, 20, a first round pick in 2027. Mm-hmm. Is there any league like with these first round picks that just whatever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. More than the NBA. <laughs> Well, the NBA, you can also put protection. I think it's like lottery protection. It's not going to be a lottery pick. It'll be given away that year. When was the last time the Heat had a lottery pick? A few years ago, I feel like. not like, But they didn't trade for it. Yeah. You know, not, uh-huh. when's the last time they earned one? Like, because Tyler Hero and Bam were both lottery picks. Were they? Yeah. Technically, like late lottery, like 13, 14. Yeah, they had that little little spell when they were like, when they went that transition, when they lost Shaq and. And, and LeBron and, and not Shaq, but they lost LeBron and, and Bosch and so on. And they had that little two or three year uh, position where they were just not as successful. But of course, that team will turn it around and they, they, they evaluate and they get Bam and Tyler. And yeah. But also with the Heat, we know what they do. They'll take second round undrafted guys and make them superstars. Like they got Struce. It's amazing. Like Max mm-hmm. Struce gave Vincent got paid last summer because of mm-hmm. the row with the Heat. Yeah, they've had a, uh, just tons of those guys all the way back to Haslam. Guys who are undrafted, who come in and can fit. And then you surround them with the guys who are like Rosier and Bam and, and Tyler. And then you, you make it you make it work. And they, they will make it work. He will be a fit. Spolster does an amazing job. He'll be a, a, a great fit there. I have no doubt. Did you think Terry would have a good, like a good long NBA career? Um, yeah, honestly, I, I, I mean, wasn't It might be hard sure. to say that about anybody. But. Yeah. You know, um, how optimistic were you about his career? Yeah, I, I was the old cautiously optimistic to see how he was going to handle all that success and, and all the the pitfalls that come with being an NBA player, all the things that can drag you down that we've seen with some other players. And he's been able to sustain it and be very productive. But you go from a mediocre organization and team to now a team that expects to win and the demands. For people like you just mentioned, Lebetard and, and and crew, and not on, he's the type of guy that has it in him. He's got that, he's got that grit. He's a tough guy, and you win with tough guys. And believe it or not, he has that type of mentality. So he'll compete, and he'll be he'll be really good for them, um, for for the next few years for sure. Yeah, I I thought he would be physically. I thought he'd be just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were just. I wasn't sure he would be able to handle the ball as much as he has but he went right to work on that like by the time was it Portsmouth and all that was happening he was already doing just fine handling the ball so props to him for that when these guys it's amazing the growth you see in a year or two or three when they're just professionals and they're just focusing on that and these guys I can tell you every pro guy has two or three workout guys and they spend so much time on on that skill work you know it's well known you watch those those videos of Steph Curry before games when he's doing all those workouts. All NBA guys are doing that. They have their own personal guy in the offseason. When I was in, in Miami, we had NBA guys coming in to our gym at Monsignor Pace and working out all the time with their guys. And you would see it. And they would spend an hour just on inside-out moves and dribble moves and just being more comfortable with an NBA basketball because it's a big difference. I remember when Russ was just getting ready right after his career ended, like, you know, he had the NBA ball, and that's it's a big difference, you know, playing with a college ball and that kind of stuff. And he was just doing a lot of drills, you know, with that, and they get better. And the growth of those guys who want to get better and want to get that next contract, you know, that's a huge part of it. That's the incentive. But um, they all, like a Terry Rozier, you just saw it early on. He was very skilled, and you knew the development was going to be incremental and be 
um, his growth was going to be um, really good. I don't think I've ever heard. I guess I feel like maybe I should have heard this or should have known this. I've never heard anyone bring up the difference in the ball. That's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a like big how's difference. difference? Yeah. Um, just the, the, the graininess and, and the lack of seams in the NBA basketball compared to a college basketball, um, you know, Wilson ball and Nike ball and Adidas ball. It's completely different. And honestly, the pro guys, they love the, the pro, um, the, the ball they use. Remember a few years ago, and this not a few years ago, it was maybe about 10 some odd years ago. Isn't this they the changed. worst feeling when you say that? Remember a couple of years ago and I, it's 10? I just, I just yeah. realized it because mm. I think, I think uh, I don't know who, uh, Steve Nash was talking about it, but they changed balls. Mm. And it was a absolute like mess. And the NBA players just revolted and they switched back to the other basketball. I think I, I vaguely remember that now that you mentioned that because it was like, yeah, it was like a week or two and they're like, yeah, screw, scrap this. Like the players were complaining too much. Like Louisville will have it. All all high major schools will have a row of of pro basketballs for for guys to come in for pro guys to come in because they don't want to use the other basketball when they do their workouts. That's a big part of it. Uh, very quickly, last night in the NBA, we had uh, Joel Embiid get his his first foray into a Victor Wembanyama life, and he had seventy. Mm-hmm. And I lo- someone shared a uh, an anecdote from Bill Self. They're like, when did you know? This dude's gonna be special. And he said he was on a recruiting visit to his school, and, be, and that he was not there to see him. But while he was there, he saw him get into like a fight with a really like a five ten dude on the team, and that he was able to chase him down repeatedly. <laughs> and he said he's like, this guy's just able to just run down a five ten dude, no problem. I'll take that. Yeah. That's when he knew. Not bas- nothing basketball related at all. Basically, he was able to chase down and beat up a kid that was five ten. He's like, that was impressive for a guy that big. I'll take uh, it. I, I haven't given you the Joel Embiid story on. Recruiting. I think I'd know. Okay. Um, so when my first year here, um, the Florida Rams were playing, and Coach Patino was going to watch. There was a player, Angel Rodriguez, on that team. I wanted him to watch, but um, he was he he called me at halftime. He's there's just pretty good big guy and he wasn't big on recruiting foreign players at the time he's like I, I like this uh big kid can you get more information on him um I said sure so I called the director of it and 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 found out that it was Mr. Embiid playing for the Florida Rams and uh yeah we recruited them pretty hard and ended up going to Kansas but yeah, I can name drop I still get his number in, in the phone so you think he'd remember you absolutely not I was not trying to be a smart ass by saying that's that. That's okay. Just, yeah. I'm sure he hears from a lot of people. We had some conversations. And, Did uh, you think he was going to be good? Um, I didn't get to see much of him, but the guy uh, who ran the program, who I knew really well, was very high on him. Were and the they, medicals a question back then for MB? Because I know that was a big his knees. thing. Yep. Yep. Even back then. Um, but you know, he he uh, yeah, he stood out. Um, there were some other kids on that team. A kid that went to Florida and who was higher rank than Joel at the time, but he went through the circuit and really blew up. It's, it's, it's like, it's unthinkable to me, like how somebody could like not be like, Hey, he'd be this good now. Yeah. And yeah. he didn't just blow people away right away. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't as skilled and we talked about it. Like offensively, he got better. He didn't have the game he had now, but he was a defensive presence. He was a shot blocker and he could do some things. And, um, it, it's kind of funny because I really believe that led to Gorgie coming here. 
because coach was not big on um, foreign players. But then with Gorgie, you know, when he watched him, he's like, okay, um, it's, it's not Joel Embiid, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll take this guy. And uh, yeah, Hint it worked out well. <laughs> Gorgie worked out just fine. Uh, yeah, I would think so. He yes. gave us the, uh, the all-time <laughs> one-up tweet on Jeff Goodman. We appreciate that. Please. You probably don't remember that. I don't. Uh, well, you know, Fab Mello was the guy uh-huh. that everyone remembers Louisville being after and not getting, and, and that Gorgie was... I was coaching that team with Fab Mello before I came Something here. of a consolation prize Gorgie yeah. was seen as, and that when he committed, although he did sort of start to shoot up boards towards the end, he wasn't like an utterly unknown. This wasn't Russ Smith, you know, profile's got no picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but when, when he did commit to Louisville, Goodman... Gave Louisville fans a hard time and said it was a sad day for Louisville basketball and they were excited about this Gorgie guy. And I think he just retired from the NBA this year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. just recently. <laughs> yeah. When we when we saw he did him pretty good here. when he came in and he was just sitting in, in Fred's in the training room and so on, you know, um, you could tell he hadn't been in the weight room very much and, and it began. But he was he was another guy that and we just you know, harken back to, to what we talked about with, with Levitard. You don't know what's inside these guys and Gorgie just had a tremendous work ethic and wanted to be great. So you just, you just don't know. I'm sure Rick was stumped. He's like, what am I supposed to do? I can't tell this kid to lose any weight. Mm-hmm. What do I do? <laughs> he would be scarfing down he tacos. Get so we can oh, he would get like weight. Taco Bell. Like, you know, See, these are the people I hate the most. I can't put weight on. Well, go to hell. Well, I've told I'll you, I, that. I've told you about Russ. I mean, Russ having Sonic before games. I've told you this a million times. <laughs> The way Russ ate and look at him now, I mean, it's still like there has to be some sort of curse that the like to make this unreal. Like, yeah, still got washboard abs. Commercials, I can't wait. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, Russ is just yeah, he's an anomaly. It's not fair. Nope. Think of this alternate universe where Embiid is at Louisville for at least that year. Man, sure. I wonder how good he would have because I feel like Rick would have ripped into him a lot. See, I think that was I think Fab Mello had just committed to Syracuse because I was still down in Miami, and I think that's when he committed. And then the, the Rams had the Florida Rams. This is the travel team. They had Embiid, and then they had, again, the, another big kid that just, his name escapes me, but played for, ended up going to Florida. Didn't pan out, but um, Embiid just blew up that summer. But not so much from how skilled he was. That, that you could just see the framework. When you're recruiting, you kind of, you have to look a year or two ahead and say, okay, I can see where this where this is going to go, and he was that guy. All right, we're going to talk with uh, Jeff Walls here in, in just a minute, so let's take a quick break here, and we will come back and talk to Jeff Walls here on The Drive on Thunderbolt. Be right back. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Your 
listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Mark Lieberman. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Mark Lieberman here. We are happy to be joined now by Jeff Wallace, head coach of the Louisville women's basketball team. Coming off a tough one, 79-68 defeat at North Carolina. Jeff, we appreciate you making time for us. Win or lose, rain or shine, man. How are you? Um, I'm doing great, guys. And yourself? Hanging in there uh, just fine. Uh, Jeff, give me a, uh, a a just a thumbnail sketch of this game. What what when you when you watch this one, when you go over this game with the team, what went wrong after what had been several games in a row? Where I know in particular you were happy with the way they were defending. What, what was sort of the downsides of this one? Well, I, I think first and foremost, as I like to say, we didn't score enough points. So that was the biggest problem. Uh, but o- overall, guys, you know, we had a, a two-minute stretch at the end of the first quarter where we're, uh, we're it's a 14-13 to 13 game with 2-14 to go, and then we get outscored 8 nothing in the last two minutes, and we're down 22-13. Climb all the way back, tied up at halftime, take a two-point lead with 5.30 to go, and then our the killer was the last 5.30 of the third quarter. We have four turnovers. We only had 11 on the game, hmm. but we had four turnovers, 0 for 3 from the field, 3 of 4 at the line. They don't turn the ball over, go 4 of 6, 7 of 8, and outscores 15 to 3. And Basically, I showed I showed our kids today those seven minutes and all the things we could have done to fix it and to stop it. But you know, it's it's a learning experience, a growing experience. We fouled too much. We put them at the free throw line during that stretch, but still fight back, still fight back and cut and cut it to five with three thirty to go. And next possession, we get the shot clock down to about five or six, and we help in on ball side, which, you know, we're not supposed to do. And, but in the, uh, in the emotion of the game, we, we step in too far. They kick out. She makes a three as the shot clock's expiring. And then under a minute, we get it to six, get fouled, and then we miss five straight free throws mm. where it, it could have been a one-point game because they don't score in that stretch either because we stopped them. But – it's uh, you know we're a team that we we shoot seventy seven percent from the free throw line on the season and go twelve for twenty three. So as I look back on it, yeah, I mean I, I hate losing. I mean any competitive coach hates to lose. Uh, it's a mi- a miserable trip home. But when you sit back and you watch a film, you can break it down and 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 go, hey, you know we we had our chance to win. We're just as good. We could have snuck. We could have taken our fourth road game in the league. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not the way it turned out. Now we've got to regroup, get back things back on track. I thought we had a good day of practice today. And we've got Boston College Thursday night here at home and then Pittsburgh on Sunday for the week. So it's nice to be able to say we're at home in our own beds for, for a week. What's Jeff Walt? What's your post-game, post-loss airplane routine? Like I've heard various coaches, some of them, it's sort of like players running laps up and down the aisle to get chewed out. Up at the front, what's Jeff Walls like on the plane on the way home? No, I'm not doing that. I talked to the kids in the locker room after the game, and, you know, I, my evaluation without watching film was pretty much what I just told, told you all there. And, 
uh, it felt true to what to what I saw taking place is exactly what take took place during the game. So you know, I, I told him it's all correctable. It's not a talent issue, anything like that. Um, we just got to do a better job of executing. We're a team that shoots the ball percentage-wise as good as any team we've had here, but we are we are also a team that doesn't necessarily have one player like a Dana Evans, an Asia Durr, a Shawnee Schimmel that can get their shot off at any time they need. You know, everybody else, even back with, you know, with Haley the past few years when she was here, a lot of screens had to be set. So now we have to do a better job of setting screens and using screens in order to put pressure on people to open up some things. So, you know, we showed them that, and we're, we're all good. You know, got home and uh, safe, which is the most important thing. Had a chance to, to watch some football and got back to work with Boston College Film on Monday and had, had a really good day today. I gotta be honest with you, Jeff. Like you don't sound mad uh, at this point, so I'm kind of curious at how you why, why do why are there different Jeffs after games, and how do you um, how do you determine sort of when the team needs to be crushed after a loss, and when they maybe need to be lifted up a little bit after the loss? What, what are the signs of that sort of thing? Well, it's it's how you lose. I mean, there there's I mean, it, it's even how how you win. Even also, I mean, I've gotten on our kids harder after a win than I have a loss at times because we we might just be better than the team we're playing, but we didn't play well. Mm. So, you know, sure, everybody would love to win every game. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that my ultimate goal is not to win every game. It is. But realistically, okay, it's probably not going to happen. So how do you play during that game? And for the most part, I thought we competed. I thought we played hard. We did some really good things. Uh, but unfortunately, we had a seven-minute stretch where when we played poorly, they played well. And that's what I've explained to our kids. We we go from playing at a 94, 95 le- a level to then all of a sudden we'll drop to a 50. You know, and I'm like, guys, we got to go from a 94 to a to an 83 to where we're still coming up with stops defensively. We're not turning the ball over. But unfortunately, that's not what we did, and that's why Carolina came out with the win. We're talking with Jeff Walls here on the drive on Ninth on the Ville. Jeff, you've got a game that you said Thursday coming up, uh, Boston College. What kind of matchup are you uh, preparing for with that one, maybe in comparison to some of these ones recently? Well, Boston College is, you know, they're, they're a ball club. They're, they're extremely well coached. Uh, jo- Joanna McNamee was an uh, assistant at Maryland with me back when we won the we're, – we're a part of the staff that won a national championship back in 06. Uh, so I've got a ton, ton of respect for her as a coach. They're going to mix things up. They're going to play zone. They're going to play man, play some matchup zone. They shoot a lot of threes. They're a five-out uh, offensive team. They really don't have a true post player that's going to go post up. They're going to look to drive and kick. Uh, it, it's going to be a game that we're going to have to have all five players being able to defend on the perimeter, and we're going to have to communicate because they do set a lot of ball screens also. Do you see teams try more of that with you, being that you have Olivia and others that you can put down there that we're just going to instead of trying to match up with you, screw it, we'll just take them off the the floor altogether? No, I don't think that's the case. I think it's more so just a team's personnel. Okay, and you know they really don't have true post because I will tell you. I mean, I think Olivia and Nyla can guard the perimeter as well as as any of our guards do. 
So I feel confident with them out there guarding. So I'm actually excited for Thursday night because I think it's really going to test test our entire team on communicating as a lot of screens are being set. And, you know, there's times we'll switch one through five. Jeff, I'm dying to ask you this with all of the hubbub uh, elsewhere about what goes on when there are court stormings. Uh, you don't. I think you don't have to worry about that here uh, with court stormings. But I'm in general as a coach with high profile players playing in high profile games. Just your general feelings about court stormings and whether anything should be done about them. Well, you know, obviously, you you've got to have a little bit of try to have some security a little bit. You know, to be able to get people off the floor, the opposing team off the floor, because uh, it, it's a challenge. I mean. Granted, for women's basketball, what Caitlin Clark has been able to do, she I, I think she's transcended our game in the fact of, I, I think, and also so, social media, because more people know of her through your likes of Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. But I think more college students are going to watch her play than necessarily say when UConn, uh, had that di- dynasty where they won 120 something straight games, you know. Sure, we get for 16, 18 thousand, but a lot of ours were families. They were, you know, seniors. It, it wasn't necessarily a 4,000 student section. So, I, you know, now that you know that students are coming and. It was a game. I mean, you call Ohio State game out. I mean, it's two. I mean, uh, I was ranked two. Ohio State was top fifteen. I think uh, you want to try to have a little bit of an idea that hey, if this happens, we might want to have a little bit of security to allow them to get off the floor. Because even in football, I mean, I'm surprised there hasn't been more incidents than have occurred. Because you know, you're out there battling for, for two hours and compete, and it's it's you know a highly you know, emotional game, and all of a sudden someone runs into you or pushes you. I'm just surprised more <laughs> altercations have not happened. That was- but ho- hopefully p- t- teams are learning from it and schools are learning from it. And, you know, when, when you know someone like that is coming in and it could be a game like that, uh, you might have your staff prepared. Jeff, listen, I just want to say thanks uh, again, as always, buddy. Thank you so much for making time for us, and uh, good luck against Boston College, man. Appreciate it. I, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right. Jeff Walls, good stuff there. More chipper than I was expecting after mm-hmm. that loss. Uh, I guess you tell me, a coach after a loss, and, he, and he's a little bit more a beat. I think in that case, in this instance here, sounds like a guy who really feels like they kind of gave it away. Yeah, well, you're missing free throws. You're doing some things. You ha- you're in position on the road, things that you can convince your team that are correctable, which he mentioned, and those are things that you you know you can, you know, spin it for your 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 team that hey, these are things that we're going to get better at as the season goes on, and we can win those games on the road for sure. But how about those old NBA games where, you know, like the Celtics and the and the Lakers and the and people were just storming on the court and just attacking it on winning time when uh, yeah. Kareem. Remember, yeah. we just we saw that part. Like Boston fans are constantly running on the floor in the eighties. Yes, yeah, Spencer, Spencer, your fault. You don't see many NBA core stormers these days. 
We ruined no, it for no, you don't. Kind of ruined that for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think you're it, right. About that is one thing I love, like the old footage of like the Boston Gardens, like the Russell days, oh, or those even the things. Larry Bird days in Russell, the eighties. Russell, in the eighties. Yeah, yeah that's, that was that was all the time. Oh, there those was, are heated rivalries. There. Yeah, it was the Pistons that ruined that for everybody, right? Yes, yes. probably. Yes, <laughs> that one dude that squared up. I thought he was going to die. Hmm. I, I wouldn't. He might be tougher than I gave him credit for for not <laughs> just crumpling and dying right there. Yeah, this she no, did flop. By the way, Caitlin Clark, she sold it. It's yeah. It's it wasn't like when I heard about it. I'm like, oh no. There's like, it was like a wispy little lady that runs into her and like she flails her arms like yeah, the game like was still going right. on. She was expecting to get the call. Like she was expecting like, <laughs> she this was is like a technical or something afterward. <laughs> You know, if anything, it felt like and look, she may be this level. Like, I'm going to give her some credit here. She might be this level evolved uh, or like IQ sort of on this level. Like the thing to do in that instance is to get everyone talking about that. Like your team just lost. Now all we're talking about is how you got run into in the court storm is good to take the, the attention off the team here. Put it all on me and what happened here. She might be a. Playing on a different levels. She's clever. I agree. I, I I think she's she gets it and she knows that that maybe they could have like had a stop time T or something like that. She gets two free throws or something. Who knows? But um, yeah, as we were talking about the court storming, all I can think about was the old old NBA games. Those things were just wild, absolutely wild. I, I do you ever uh, have a court storming incident? At no, all? no. Um, we didn't have any with where I've been but there's there's that fine line and and coach Waltz was talking about it with security but like it's it's magical but you got to make sure like those guys get into the locker room and and whatnot but what are your thoughts well I, I know when these things happen uh we like there's the immediate calls for getting rid of court storming and all of that but I I love them like I love when there's something that happens that makes people do it. Uh, I've never done it, but right. I like I've. It's part of the charm that it doesn't happen in pro sports. That there is, uh, college sports is different no matter how hard we try, in that they go to the same school you do, or you did, or that's in the town, whatever. Right? Like there's more of a connection and more of like a peer relationship there than them with the pros who are just the best in the world at something mm-hmm. and get paid to do it and i for, there's something about the court storming that is like a a reminder of that we're all we're all college students here and we did it for all of us and and i don't i don't want that to go away i, I when it's authentic and no one's a <laughs> jerk about it i love them it's yeah. fun as a college student to do because my I'm senior sure. at bellarmine was when we won the eighth sun so i got to storm the court that night and celebrating with us when the conference even though we couldn't play any sort of i celebrated with your coach at the bar after the game for the record i'm sure you did i that think it's totally a, believable i think it's a different like the as far as pro sports it's a completely different crowd now that goes to the games and it was you know your everyday man that would go in in the past or whatnot and and i think it's a little different and People are, are ready to get with their families and get home and that kind of stuff. I think it's a, when, as you guys were talking about with college kids, yeah, you're riled up and it's a you be the team that you're not, you know, it's has and a high like, profile you player. Know, you're in class with some of these athletes. Yeah, yourself's like, hey, yeah, exactly. see you in algebra tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
8150-939. That's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. 3831-939 for the UPS jobs text line. I don't know if you had a chance to hear Phil and I discussing uh, the NFL giving us the uh, the Warren Sharp calling attention to the fact that Sean Smith's the head referee for the Ravens Chiefs this weekend. Okay. And that by far, when he's the head referee, uh, the home team wins less than anyone else. And it's like by about 10 percentage points. Really? Uh, compared to the average uh, for anybody else. I mean, there's something there's something for it with a calls that are made and, and whatnot, and you know the Pat Mahomes factor with all of a sudden, like last year with the the shove and the and the 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 15 yard penalty. So yeah, there's the crews and who officiates. That's a huge part of it, and, and you can't under you know underestimate that that is an impactful part of the game when we're looking at games and in, in in college basketball. We look to see who the referees are. We know okay. We can be a little more physical as far as this game goes. They don't call this tight. Yeah. Or we've got so with this, yeah. Is it right? Is it going to be more holding calls on the home team? Is it going to be like yeah? You you, you got to think yeah, that they're not to scout the officials. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it would be interesting to see just a little bit more work done on how they officiate differently. Sure. You know, like what are there penalties that they are especially attuned to? Uh, things that maybe might blunt the home field advantage the most, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I would love to see that. That's, that's, that's what matters. That's like when you're thing. saying that, okay, it's a 10%, but why we want to know the why. Yeah. Like what's he just doing Panthers games all season? I'm <laughs> being tongue in cheek, but that's, like what kind of hit. games are that's they, a hit, Spencer. they playing? That's well a hit. Done. We smiled. Keith, welcome into the drive, buddy. What's up? Hey, what's going on fellas? Hey, um, I'm, I'm adding to the list of the Kenny Payne calls in Louisville basketball. Um, <laughs> tonight, tonight we play Duke, which should be uh, an incredible game in the past, a game we all get excited on. It would have been a blockbuster matchup. And now we're at a point where most of the friends I have that are Cardinal diehards don't even care. They're like, I'm not even watching it. I don't even care. It It's sad to me. And I don't know what Josh heard and – the board of trustees or whoever had to make a decision on to get, I hate to say get rid of him because I was a big Kenny proponent, but this is obviously with the Zan Payne fiasco playing 30 minutes starting, that that's a middle finger to the whole cards base. That's basically saying over Curtis Williams, we're going to put this kid in. You know what I mean? It, it's embarrassing. And uh, I, I just don't know what Josh, I hope he's listening. I don't know what he's waiting on, but, I, it has to stop. Like this would have been a perfect game for Nolan or another interim uh, Lieberman, whoever you get to be the interim and move on toward at least ending the year on a higher note. Uh, it, it's just you can hear it in Kenny's voice. He doesn't care anymore. I heard it on the coaching show where he was talking about just about everything else except what he's going to do to try to redeem the rest of the season. Even though you know we already know it's over. I mean, it's sad. It really is. I, I, I want to cry for our fan base, but no no recruits on the rise. And I hate to sound like pessimist, but something got to give her. You know what I mean? This is Duke we're playing against, and nobody seems to care. But thank you for your show. You guys are great, and, and I'm gone. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. It's very kind of you uh, to say that at uh, the end there. Uh, for what it's worth, the best, the better teams they've played this year, probably you know outside of the Kentucky game, which wasn't – which I think why that – doubly frustrated people but several of the blowouts we've feared haven't 
haven't materialized like that, which is to say these guys do have something in them. They play the better teams. You get the best version of them. That's not great. No. It, does, it can't be that way, but it is. So in some ways, like you would expect, hey, maybe this one might be super one-sided, but they do seem to have something for Carolina and, and the Texas and Indiana, like the, the sort of thing. It wouldn't shock me at all if, if they don't let go of the rope in this one, even if it's not enough to win. There should be enough. You know, they've talked about the lack of atmosphere. There should be an atmosphere tonight for a Duke team, even though they're miss, missing a couple guys with Roach and um, I believe it's Mitchell's out tonight as well. But yeah, I think I think that uh, that can get them going if 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 that's it. But is that something consistently that they can do? Can they keep it within? I think the line's 14, 14 and a half, possibly, but. You know, the fact that we're talking about that and, you know, hey, they kept it competitive or, or right. you know, that that's that's not the standard. So, but look, uh, Dukes, you don't know what what kind of Duke team this is. They, they've been, you know, schizophrenic the entire season with some of the things. So is this a little little opening here for, for them to come in 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 the cards to have a chance? But they're coming off a loss, you know. So, like that to me is where you get refocused. Just like Wake Forest came coming off, you know, and, and so on. So, we'll All right. see. In the next segment, which is our last one, because we're out early for basketball, we'll talk a little bit more about this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the nuts and bolts of it, and then we're going to wrap things up with. Uh, I got to sit down with Ashton Gelati and Quincy Riley together. We'll talk with them to wrap things up here before we turn you over to network pregame coverage here on the drive on Athenville. Right back. 